The warm air, the sounds of baseball, it's got you thinking about hitting the road. And no matter where your adventures take you, Subaru of Gwinnett has a vehicle to get you there safely and in style. Like the 2024 Subaru Outback, sporting standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and up to 32 miles per gallon. Or the 2024 Subaru Forester, the SUV with a spacious and comfortable interior for everyone you want to bring along. Start your shopping online at SubaruofGwinnett.com, then come see us for a test drive on Satellite Boulevard in Duluth. Sports Today proudly presents the Chuck Oliver Show. It's an inside look at everything college football. Now live from Atlanta, Georgia, it's time to talk college football with the reigning king of college football, Chuck Oliver, on Southern Sports Today. If possible, Nick Saban actually deserves a bit more credit. Chuck Oliver Show on a Tuesday. Appreciate everybody coming here. We're going to talk college football. That is what we do. Dave Bartu will be coming up bottom of this hour. It's a Tuesday. It's hour one. That's what we do. If possible, Nick Saban deserves a little more credit. I'm going to just not say since he got into coaching. Um, now, nah, the breadth of the career is obviously, I mean, you can't overcredit that. But I'm saying I'm going all the way to his final season, his last act. Because I will say, given how Nick Saban is really retired, given the pictures of, it's his daughter who has been sending out pictures and video and whatever else. It's her daughter who has been providing social media updates. It's his daughter who has been sending out some of this stuff. His daughter also responding to, is he at the beach? What's he doing? Whatever. Send out the video of him on the boogie board. We had someone on a Nate Oates podcast talking about how Nick Saban and his wife walked into a restaurant in around Jupiter and just stood in the lobby. I don't know, with a little plastic square waiting for it to vibrate. Saban, party of two. Over the weekend, apparently, Nick Saban was part of a golf event. Reggie Jackson was there. Had a big golf tournament, raising money. Mr. October Celebrity Golf Classic. Disadvantaged children. Focus on STEM classes. He was playing golf in a foursome with 50 Cent and Travis Scott. And she tweeted out, retirement is going too well. Good for Nick Saban. I'm going to step out. I'm just going to like comment personally here. Good for Nick Saban. I, I, and I can't emphasize that enough. Um, talk about somebody who earned retirement and he apparently is really enjoying being retired or doing can you imagine eight days yeah is it eight days before signing day and i don't know ryan williams is still out there or you're looking for transfers or whatever you know nick saban would not be doing eight days before signing day playing golf playing golf with travis scott and 50 cent um he wouldn't be on the boogie board a half hour to wait to then order your food. 
I ha- can you imagine how many video? How many times could time this out? Wait about eight seconds. Run that back. All right. How many times do you think you can do that in thirty minutes? Watch a play on on film. Pause it. Average play lasts about six seconds. Pause it for a second or two, and then Coach Saban says, run that back. And so you hit the 10-second back button, and you watch it again, and then you pause it, and he says, run that back. And you just watch the same play over and over and over. Um, I saw one time a coaching staff, it was a fumbled snap, and the I guess what the backside guard was going to do, they like paused it, trying to figure out what was about to happen on this fumbled snap that the quarterback just covered up and it turned into this mass of humanity in the middle of the field. I was like, all right, note to self. Every play, it was like at third and eight. What do they do with third and eight? What do they want to do? So Nick Saban, he has so, and I mean instantly embraced, I'm not finishing the recruiting class. I'm not interviewing a defensive line coach. I'm not being questioned by a five-star's dad. And my takeaway, first of all, was so good for him because, my gosh, there are some guys that just can never get comfortable with it. Lyndon Johnson, who took over for Kennedy, obviously, got himself elected, and then four years later, he's like, I'm out. Um, Uber micromanager everything, and he was in charge and very authoritarian. And he was like this big, I don't know, 6'5", 6'6", Texan. And every morning for years as he exited the White House, every morning after the election, we're in Vietnam, every morning for years in D.C., first thing you do, sit down, and his advisors would start going over this many tanks, these many troops, this many helicopters, etc. Word was when Lyndon Johnson... Walked away from politics, went back to his ranch in Texas. Literally the morning after he arrived, like 5 a.m., had all the ranch hands. All right, how many chickens? How many eggs? How many cattle? How much milk? Like, he had to do something. He was just filling. Nick Saban ain't like that, folks. (laughs) I promise you, there may be mail that he only opened the top two envelopes of, and it's still on the end table from Saturday. Like, he may walk into the kitchen about 2 o'clock and realize, oh, there's my other little Debbie in the coffee. I never went back to it. I got distracted. Given how really retired Nick Saban got, and I mean instantly, we should go back and give even more credit for the job he did this year. It wasn't just he had senioritis, clearly. Uh, No, it was clearly he held that at bay. Like, he pushed that urge, thoughts. How about this, the realization? He pushed the acceptance etc folks it's clear retirement was already there with him and we never knew it other than a day he looked bad walking in for halftime in tampa this was as challenging a roster off-season staff all of it as he had in several seasons maybe since his first year there and what was the result Beat everybody except the national champion and another playoff team. Against that backdrop, 
How's the offensive line? Mm. How's the quarterback? Might not have one. How's the running game committee? Mostly. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Beat everybody except 15-0 national champion, all-time great Michigan, and Texas, another playoff team. Folks, that's not the outcome when you're already vacant, when you're already, like, there leaving-wise, when you've already accepted, like, when you already know, but you just can't say it because it's only October. I've always said, give Steve Spurrier credit. He just he looked around. His quote was, and I, this is pretty close. He's like, when I took the job, I was the best guy. He's like, I don't think I'm the best guy today. I don't think I'm the best, job, the best guy for the job right now. I was then. I took the job. Today, I'm out. And so Sean Elliott stepped in for like the final month or so. He might have coached that Citadel thing. But it was just a not good product, and Steve Spurrier walked away. At least he walked away. Jimbo Fisher? He got there leaving-wise for different reasons. It wasn't even because, hey, you'd done it for half a century and likely better than anyone ever. It was because you had a tiff with the administration. Didn't have a, He didn't have a lot of folks in his corner there. Hey, how's that possible? You have two straight undefeated seasons. You put a Heisman Trophy behind glass, a national championship, and like three years later, you ain't got anybody in your corner in Tallahassee. Is that a fair description? Certainly sounded that way. I just, I, I don't know how that goes. I don't know how it's possible. And so when you don't have like staunch defenders just fall out there after you've done that, doesn't seem possible. Um, my opinion is he decided, pull the cord, I'm out. With like a month left in the regular season. And I might be kind there actually. Could have been after the opener. Remember what happened there? It was three versus five or one versus four or something with Alabama in Atlanta, and the quarterback got hurt, and he realized, I'm in the soup. So it might have been after the opener. Could have been after they lost to BC by 30 and were two and five. Yeah, could have been there. Saban declared publicly ain't got a quarterback. Lost at home to a program that really doesn't have those type of wins. Looked worse in a dub the next week. Appeared he may have missed on at least one of the coordinator hires, if not both. None of that was accurate or a window into the rest of the regular season for Alabama. I think given how, I mean, this isn't someone who's learning how to not go to the office. I'm just walking around. Michael Douglas has got a briefcase with a sandwich in it because he's got nowhere to go. That's not what this is. Nick Saban, if you're following this, don't you have to be happy for him? I am. Because he's doing what, I mean, you see almost no, and maybe it's January, so January, February, like eight months from now, maybe he's in media. Maybe he sits out the same. Maybe he's just done working. I don't think that's the case. And media is not a bad thing. I remember like Terry Bowden, who, I mean, believe me, Nick Saban should have all manner options. But Terry Bowden was working with ABC, ESPN, I believe. And you need back into coaching. And at the time, I think he had like pimped himself for the North Carolina job at one point or maybe SMU. And then he kind of had to, you know, throttle down a little bit. But. I remember him saying, it is a great life, folks. He's like, fly in on a Friday. I'm here on 
set for one day. It's like, it's a pretty good life. Well, Nick Saban, um, he is not entry level. He's not going to do color on the Central Michigan-Miami Maction on a Tuesday night. Do you see some of the games Dan Mullen was doing color on? Now, he was doing color on ESPN games, and he's Dan Mullen, and so that's enough. He doesn't – that was not, like, the best super-duper games, and they got a lot of games. They got a staff. Um, it shows you, like, Nick Saban, and I don't even think he would be doing games. He'd be studio. But that, that's what I'm saying. Like, he's not going to be schlepping around – it's go to one place for one day a week if so i'm just i'm really ecstatic for him and the stories that keep coming in they're fantastic uh and it's a place that so many coaches never ever get to it doesn't seem like he's very obsessed with being relevant um and he's what three weeks into it almost now and it's like this is what he does so good for him. All right, we're going to take a break. Get back into it next. Now back to Southern Sports Today and the Chuck Oliver Show. When you sit down and, and people see the commitment you know, publicly, but they don't see when you sit down on a couch with a family and tell them that you're going to be here, what that looks like. Some coaches say that, and it doesn't necessarily mean anything. For me, that means something. And um, I'm committed to being here. I got a 10-year-old. I, I got to get him through high school. And the only way that doesn't happen is I don't win enough. So to put my, my focus on something else other than Oregon football, that's going to be a distraction. Dan Lanning. And he is on the record as to why he passed by the opportunity to pursue to any degree the Alabama job if it were to be offered. There was no reason for them to come down this path because I'm not leaving. He says, as long as I can determine this, this is basically, this is the distillation, the boil down. As long as it's my decision, I'm here at least to get my 10-year-old through graduation. That's my idea. Uh, says if I, he says, the way that doesn't happen is I don't win, they fire me. So I'm going to say two things here, and they're, they're separate thoughts. In the case of Dan Lanning or anyone, if you're saying that and you're certain of it, rock on, man. Blare it out. New statement, and this is for everybody. It's tough to say something like that because when life happens and you leave, then it comes back to, to I don't want to say haunt you. That's not the case. When you leave Oregon and you're the head coach at Georgia, when Kirby goes to coach, who would Kirby coach? Spend the NFL will, the Eagles. Um, then, hey, man, life happened. And, like, there's one job. How many times have we heard, look, there is one job I would have left Tennessee for? There is one job I would have left, you know, wherever for. One. So, Dan Lanning, if that if what he said is true, now here's what is more likely. He really believes it's true. And I don't know. At some point in life, I realized that most times when, you know, people, he lied to me. That can be the truth. That can be the case sometimes. A lot of times in the adult world, it was true when the person said it. 
or they really thought it was true or they meant it was true. Dan Lanning, I don't know if he's going to be there in eight years. Hey, bet your Chuck Oliver show pension that in 2032, Dan Lanning is still employed at Oregon. Would you do that? I, I actually would. But again, I, I've, I've actually got a connection inside Oregon. And so you remember I, I told you sure. at the time. This ain't happening. He, he had assured his people. It's one thing to say it publicly. He's got a group of coaches there that really likes being there. There's a guy on that staff that had an opportunity at a, a pretty high-profile program as an assistant that turned it down on his assurance, hey, we're staying here. So, I mean, look, you mentioned it, Chuck. If Georgia opens up and they've got all the money in the world, I don't know. You can't ever guarantee anything, but I, I do genuinely believe he feels that's where he's going to be for the foreseeable future, and he's confident he's going to win, so he thinks he really is going to be there. He's been there two years, and he put a, he put a timeline on it. He's like, 10-year-old and graduation, and so I, my math is a decade. Um, and that's why I want to state that first. I was like, if that's really true, and he really does believe that, um, I mean, chest out and let people because that really distinguishes you that is a statement that is difficult for any person in this sort of industry to make now this is going to be and there are always exceptions um 10 years at the same spot that's uh that's called the outlier could happen uh the other end of the spectrum here dj durkin i don't know if this is official yet Chris Lowe said it, so it's official enough for me. Man, I've always got my policy until I hear from the person or until I hear to the, uh, from, the, from the entity, then the program, the pro franchise, then man, not official. But Chris Lowe says Auburn is hiring DJ Durkin as DC, or and, and that's what he said, DC. I think it's co-DC because of the Charles Kelly, but it could be semantics or it could be right or uh, whatever. But he's going to be on staff there, and that was sort of expected. There was some Chris Kiffin stuff, but that didn't happen. It's going to be now, uh, because it's all relationships, but it's going to be uh, DJ Durkin coming back. He's going to be at Auburn. He's in the SEC, fourth spot, and back at co-DC in the conference there because uh, that's just not what it's going to be at Texas A&M. So uh, if you didn't see Corey Raymond talking about being back in the fold, Back in the SEC, always in the SEC, back at LSU and doing his recruiting thing as LSU continues to build toward a really impressive class for a week from now, but then also for 25 as well. So we'll talk more about that at some point. But Corey Raymond was brought back to coach defensive backs and get some signatures, and boy, is he doing that. What's up, Eighth? You know, it's funny, Chuck, because you were talking about Nick Saban and about uh, retirement and about him hanging with uh, 50 Cent and whatnot at the golf tournament. I will say that I do wonder if maybe this is Saban embracing retirement with the same aggression he embraced work. It's like, okay, I was this driven coach, and now I've got to be this driven retiree. So I can't just say, oh, I don't have to go to the office, and I can wake up an hour and a half later if I want to. No, I've got to learn how to be the best bodyboarder. i got to learn how to be the best golfer. I got, yeah, if I'm going to start drinking purple drink, i got to drink a lot of purple drink. Whatever it might be that he has to – Take the edge off about 4 o'clock every afternoon. Yeah, he has to really go above and beyond to get in on this. I, I, I do wonder, because the way that guy's wired, it really does seem like he would have to have focus and purpose, and I'm not sure running the numbers at the Mercedes dealership and 
whether or not you're up or down 8% versus last year. I'm not sure that's going to do it for him. He clearly has decided that coaching is no longer the thing. I, I just wonder if maybe he really has, you know, if, if he's going to be that guy who a month from now is like, I'm learning to play the oboe. Why am I learning to play the oboe? I'm learning to play the oboe. I've got to find something to do. And he says it he's in French. He's just going to go crazy for all of it. Uh, it just, I, I don't know. It, it, it at least seems like the kind of thing that, that maybe could be driving him here. Also, we haven't talked about this one yet, Chuck. Might have a guest on this tomorrow. Missouri has made their defensive coordinator hire. By the way, Auburn has not put out anything no. officially on D.J. Durkin as of yet. Although, again, if Chris Lowe put it out there, I'm going to say it's real. Uh, Missouri is hiring South Alabama defensive coordinator Corey Batoon to be their new D.C. He's a guy that's worked at places like Liberty, Hawaii, FAU, Ole Miss in different roles. I, I don't know, Chuck. Look, it's not like when they got Blake Baker, people are like, oh, my Lord, they got Blake Baker. But he was really good. It's kind of surprising to me that that South Alabama's defensive coordinator, who, again, was working for a defensive-minded head coach in Kane Womack, who pretty pretty influential in what they're doing. I'm a little surprised this is where Eli has wound up. Um, yeah, you could, you could imagine that he – and I don't want to say this. I don't want to sign this to anybody. You could imagine that he is on a little bit of a roll slash kind of smelling himself a little bit because he looked around at an offseason where he got snubbed a year ago and he got kind of publicly put in his place. And you talk about making everybody wrong. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if he's got a little bit of um, – like he's got extra confidence right now. And I just want to uh, – because he knows what he's doing, obviously. It worked. But uh, he really surprised everybody, and maybe he's just kind of feeling it. Yeah, we'll see. This is a guy who had Ryan Walters as his D.C., didn't seem to appreciate him in that role very much. I just, he may have gotten it right one time. I'm not sure I'm buying that he gets it consistently right every time. I'll be curious to see how this one works out. Yeah, and that's really what it is. It's, you know, the ability to hire, which is actually it's the ability to replace. Um, you're going to – replace a successful hire almost every time if you're Missouri. Catch the king of the warm air, the sounds of baseball. It's got you thinking about hitting the road and no matter where your adventures take you, Subaru of Gwinnett has a vehicle to get you there safely and in style. Like the 2024 Subaru Outback, sporting standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and up to 32 miles per gallon. Or the 2024 Subaru Forester, the SUV with a spacious and comfortable interior for everyone you want to bring along. Start your shopping online at SubaruofGwinnett.com, then come see us for a test drive on Satellite Boulevard in Duluth. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. College football, no matter where you go, with a new Southern Sports Today app. Catch the best college football conversation in the South everywhere with the SST live stream and daily podcast. Downloaded now at the App Store and the Google Play Store. Now more of the best college football talk in the country. It's the Chuck Oliver Show. We have one 
informed, entertaining guest every day, I believe, I hope. I don't know any of them give out the cell phone to you. So, among other things, I um, want to welcome on from College Football Matrix that him has his laptop. That's his ones and zeros. It is Dave Bartu. Dave, welcome back to the program. How are you on this Tuesday? Morning, Chuck. I'm doing great. It is. Uh, it seems like it's early, but it's uh, draft season is upon us now. Oh, absolutely, it is. And uh, are you doing? Can I ask you? Are you doing any work uh, for the quarterbacks? Are you drilling down? Or are you already putting your dossiers together? Actually, we're going way past quarterbacks now. Uh, we've been working on correlating <clears throat> draft success with using our coach grading system. So depending on your level of coaching, it might dictate your potential NFL success and outcome of the draft. So, yeah, it's way past quarterbacks now. Interesting. I'm just going to give you an example, and you don't have to drill down on this at all. You may not even know him. Dante Scarnecchia, who I guess used to be Belichick's O-line coach, there was a draft where, like, the Patriots drafted two guys, made a trade, and I kept hearing, like, everybody, you know, just give him to Dante Scarnecchia for a year or two. He'll turn him into something. Um, And so there is a correlation. There are coaches who are thought of, give him a mid-round pick. He'll turn the guy into an NFL starter. Um, and so I absolutely follow what you're doing there. Um, interesting that you're you're branching out beyond quarterbacks. Uh, I said the cell phone thing. Tell everybody in general what it is you do, and then give them the cell phone number. Uh, we tell stories with numbers here, and most of it is about coaching, uh, whether it's college coaching or NFL coaching. And now it's how does that coaching relate to development of players in the NFL draft? But anybody want to talk football, I'm a total junkie. Send me a text, 971-217-8419. Piers Auburn has a DC. DJ Durkin, give me the flyover. Mm, um, good, close field goal posts. Um, his, his upper ceiling is not incredibly high. Probably not going to get an elite year out of him. Uh, but his floor is also very high. So uh, I think, uh, Ian, DJ Durkin, you are getting a consistent guy uh, that can put up a top 25 defense. But don't know if he's ever put together an elite defense, right? Top five, top ten. Uh, so the ceiling isn't all the way up there. But I do like the uh, the depth of the floor. He hasn't put up a lot of bad years either. Not likely to be his fault. Uh, um, so, all right. A lot of times you're, you're looking for the ceiling. A lot of times the floor will be enough. Uh, let's talk uh, about Alabama and some comings and goings. First of all, a couple of – because I think their staff's pretty complete now, and we'll talk offensive uh, staff with them in just a second. But let's talk about outgoing coach. We talked to Eric Wolford yesterday back at Kentucky. What is the skinny with him? Because in Lexington they're like, he's the reason we're not good on the offensive line, bring him back even though we don't like how he left. Uh, yeah, I don't know how he left, but, you know, we had him graded as the weakest link in the Alabama staff last year. Uh, he's above average, but he's a three-star offensive line coach. So, um, you know, maybe he maybe he fits emotionally, culturally better somewhere, some other places than others. But in terms of what we see on paper, pretty pretty average offensive line coach to us. Yeah, a couple years ago, he was like two days into a recruiting trip for Kentucky. And while on the recruiting trip recruiting kids for UK, he got a call from Nick Saban and literally finished the recruiting trip pitching Alabama. 
Um, um, you know, you know, a little, little something about that, Chuck, just for everybody listening. So that, um, I want to say the reason I bring that up is because when he yeah. got hired, but when Mark Stoops took him back, he's like, we got to fix the offensive line. And the fans are like, I don't like how he left. <laughs> See, that's the difference between the coaching world and the fan world. Fan don't like that. Right. That happens all the time. Most of the time you never hear about it, but understand folks that, any one of these guys will leave for a better job at any point. They will work as hard as they can for their program up until the minute the ink dries. And then they just switch uniforms. All right, literally, you know, call the spouse, tell them to throw out all the, all the Kentucky stuff for Bama now, right? And as soon as he was done with Bama, as soon as he got another job, bang, it's back to Kentucky. That's what these guys sign up for. So on the coaching side, that's normal. It's just the fans that get a little – uppity about about stuff like that but that's just everyday coaching tight ends coach joe or i guess former tight ends coach now joe cox uh he's gonna have the same position group for lane kiffin in oxford any opinion for because we're only mississippi we got rebel fans listening uh, what are they having joe cox uh you know t- tight end coaches they're, they're the toughest one to to grade um, because are you hiring a guy to coach line? Are you hiring a guy more to coach receivers? Uh, a lot of tight end coaches. Can the guy recruit, right? Can he develop relationships? So, you know, ultimately, um, I don't have his tight end coach grade right here in front of me, but even if I did, my first question would be, what is his connectivity to recruiting in the SEC? Because that, to me, is usually what these guys are hired for. All right, before we take a break, let me know, um, when have you, and if yes, when, did you start, um, have you started grading either director of recruiting strategy or liaison or program general managers? Because there is a brand new administrative position. I say brand new over the last five, six, seven years that so many staffs have now and it's basically guy who knows everybody who can you know get stuff done um a wild backgrounds like all kind of diverse backgrounds in these roles and it's like a pro franchise gm almost um is that something that you've already built stacks of dossiers on as well no it's it's not because that job is pretty fluid meaning that it's not pinned down to exactly what they do. There's a lot of GMs and chiefs of staffs out there yep. in title, but their jobs are all extremely different. Um, the, the, the one big question I have in that whole general manager, chief of staff thing uh, really comes down to more, more player personnel and managing free agency. You know, my, my question is, is the relationship that important anymore with so many agents telling players where they're going to play, right? So many agents telling players where they're going to play, whether they're happy or not, you're playing for the most amount of money. Is the relationship that big of a deal anymore versus just having a consistent flow of money to get the guys you want? I would say the one position that I have circled as the most interesting is the scouting side of it. Right? How how can we get these free agencies right? I, I think that's really a big part of being a GM going forward is managing the scouting mm-hmm. of your future roster, much in like the NFL. Anything revealing about Nick Sheridan? He's going to coach Alabama's tight ends like he did for DeBoer up at UW. Um, and he goes back with him, obviously, his relationships, 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 back to Indiana, et cetera. 
Um, what's the? Because you say you know tight ends. Now this is not to discredit it, but I'm gonna tell you what. Some you're right. It's like a hybrid coaching role. It can be an offensive minded guy. It can be a line guy. You can be a recruiter in some cases. Right, right. You know, and so is he is he coming in with a specific offense in mind? Now, he's already worked with Kalen. He's already worked with Brian. So the, the coaching continuity on the offensive side, that fits. So I would expect him to continue to be that hybrid uh, type of coach where it's both O-line and receiver-centric. Uh, with that, Sheridan, he, he he doesn't have a really big resume, so we just have him as a rising star. He doesn't have a full grade yet in our system. All right, a couple of more on the staff. Uh, Scott Huff and Jamarcus Shepard. First of all, Scott Huff, um, he'd been there. He crossed staffs, didn't he? He goes back to Peterson, I think, at Washington, and even there with the two years with Jimmy Lake. So he's been at Washington for a minute, I think. Yeah, that was look on the offensive side. Alabama's had a lot of upgrades. They had a upgrade in quarterback coach. They had a huge upgrade in offensive coordinator. They got an upgrade in tight end side of it. Uh, they also have uh, an upgrade in offensive line. Huff in our system, low four star guy, excellent profile, young, still you know still. Still a lot out there in terms of, of the ceiling, but uh, on the offensive side of the biggest impacts, that might be one of the biggest ones is is changing over offensive line coach, the other one being the offensive coordinator. Last thing, anything on Shepard who goes back to Purdue, Wazoo, uh, Western Kentucky back in the day, and I don't know, wide receivers coach for Roma Dunze and Jalen and that bunch, I'm in, man. <laughs> Right. Yeah. But you're talking a four and a half star guy. He's top 10 in the country in terms of wide receiver coach grades for his career. I mean, he was our number one wide receiver coach grade for 2023, but overall his entire career is still extremely good. Uh, Shouldn't have a whole lot of fall off. Wiggins had an excellent grade as well. So I think the wide receiver core was in good hands and will continue to be at Alabama. All right, it's Tuesday. It's hour one. That means we're talking with Dave Barr, too. Get him on Twitter at CFB Matrix. Again, he is the founder of College Football Matrix. It's what he does. All right, we'll take a quick break. Come back. More with Dave next. college football time in the south now back to more of the king of college football chuck oliver on southern sports today chuck oliver show and it's a tuesday hour one dave bartu is here want to welcome him back in dave tell everybody how to get in touch with you where they can text you anything they want about uh coaching personnel to recruiting etc whatever uh and then also tell us about uh, your sponsors and how you help people feel better every day yeah, yep. Pro Athletes Help Association uh, brought to you by the NFL Alumni Group. Um, aches and pains. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> it's topical Tuesday. Uh, the warming gels, the cooling gels, all designed for the pro athlete, uh, but available for all of us weekend warriors at hempforpros.com. Give me the text line because you said you have had everyone from listeners, fans, from listening to the show, text you to a sitting SEC head coach. Yep, everything and in between. Uh, 971-217-8419. Hit me up, and I will do everything I can to get back to you. 
Jimmy Lake is 47 years old. He has been in the game coaching for 25 years. Uh, he is obviously a defensive-minded guy, and he elevated all the way up to D.C. at a place like Washington, and then he got the head coaching job for two years. He has a history in the league as well. He just got hired in the NFL as the Atlanta Falcons defensive coordinator. Um any window, any glance towards Jimmy Lake and like maybe how it's going to turn out with him as DC back in the league? Oh man, that is a that is a big risk right there. I mean, he's called plays for what two years, and under the supervision of Pete Kaitkowski, one of the best DCs in college football, and Chris Peterson. So you know, by the numbers, if you just look at his two years, um, the defense at Washington dropped when he was calling the plays. So we, we have we have regression in the defense, but we only have two years. So I would say he is really good at interviewing, and uh, that is a big hold my breath in terms of how that's going to turn out because there's just not a lot of history of him calling plays. All right, so that was sort of the leftover from the Washington uh, question there. Uh, I want to get back into the SEC with Brian Kelly, and it's now official. The uh, tight ends coach will be brought in from Tulane. That's done. They've got co-coordinators, even though Cortez Hankton. I think, honestly, Cortez Hankton helped an NFL team satisfy the Rooney rule. That was it. He went and interviewed to be the OC uh, mm-hmm. in Atlanta, but he was never going to get that job. Uh, so he and Sloan will uh, split the duties, at least by title, one on the field, one in the booth. Uh, now that it's official, um, any idea about the LSU staff? Because Brian Kelly said, whatever you think about it, I love the continuity and the production, and I don't want to upset the apple cart. <laughs> I love the continuity, so he fired the entire defensive staff. That is funny as heck. Um, there's no continuity there, right? I mean, you, you lost your entire defensive staff. You lost your tight end coach. You lost your offensive coordinator. I mean, you lost more than half the staff. So I, I think I'm assuming the continuity is he's just going to let Joe call the plays. I think that's the only continuity because Joe Sloan was the quarterback's coach last year, um, and it sounds like he's sliding in to, to call in the plays. So offensively, that's a huge question mark. Right. Defensively, I think things have have, have solidified really well. Uh, of all the guys they got, uh, Peoples on the on the defensive edge, I think he's their highest graded guy. But overall, you had a improvement uh, up to a significant improvement at every single position on the defensive side. So I think the defense is, is going to be fine. I actually think the biggest question mark right now is going to be that play calling for LSU going from Denbrock to Sloan. All right, let's go outside the region. Sean Moore is head coach Sean Moore now in Michigan. Um, give me your flyover. Mm, never been a head coach before, right, boss? And has to replace I mean, Jesse Minner. Right, has to replace Jesse. Well, and see, that's, that's one of the big keys here. And strength that's and conditioning. The, the strength and conditioning, but staffing, okay? Staffing. Look at all of the history, folks, of guys next man up already having it made for him that guy usually really struggles because why we don't know how this guy staffs we don't know if he can build a staff and i started paying attention to this a long time ago right in my backyard remember when mark helfritz got elevated right oh yeah and then we figured out two years later you know it was it was promote from within everybody loves mark helfritz he's a good offensive mind blah 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 but when it came down to staffing he failed at it 
right? Because it was all built for him. And so a lot of these guys have things built for them. And then when it comes right down to the staffing side, they start to fall apart. Chip Kelly had it built for him, had to figure out his own staff at UCLA, couldn't do it. Lincoln Riley struggled with staffing for an awful long time, right? So be careful to me is I know everybody loves the idea of more there, but the biggest question mark is going to be not the recruiting, is can he staff this thing going forward? It's dangerous to expect too much when a guy takes something over that is in absolute perfect condition. Uh, all right. This is just, I don't know, it wasn't what I was expecting. I want to set the offense ablaze. Um, Iowa hires Tim Lester. Mm. Tell me what you think because you know a lot more than I do. Tell me what your ones and zeros spit out about Tim Lester. Okay, um, so, like, the first guy that we wanted at Iowa was Paul Christ. That was, in terms of his pace and his his floor and his ceiling, Paul Christ was that guy. I'd love to know why he turned that job down to stay, stay as an analyst at Texas. But Tim Lester, so the last two guys that were out there in social media, so I feel comfortable talking about it, is Tim Lester was out there in the social medias and Johns was out there. Yes. And Johns is a lot like DJ Durkin, okay? Not a high ceiling, but a, but a really high floor. Nice and consistent. Safe, right? Now, Lester, what Lester is bringing to Iowa is a much bigger risk than Johns, okay? But what you're getting is you have the ability to pop a big year. Lester has put up some monstrous numbers with run-dominated offense. So in terms of his pace of play, it's going to fit well with Phil Parker. In terms of his run-to-pass ratio, it fits well with the eye of Kirk Ferentz. Okay, but what you're getting is downside risk. He's had a couple of really bad years on the downside. He is a super feast and famine guy. Uh, So Iowa's offense is going to improve how much? I think Lester has a pretty high ceiling, so this one's going to be really interesting to me to see what you're going to get at Iowa with Tim Lester. This is a softball, but maybe just rave. You mentioned Phil Parker. Is there like a five-and-a-half star rating? Because given what he has on offense, like three and out, three and out, three and out, first-team defense, get ready. We were just out there. You're out there again. To still Mm -hmm. put up all those numbers, um, is there a a five-and-a-half star rating? No, there's not, but he's about as perfect to 100 as you're going to get. Um, it, it's, yeah, what what he has done defensively over the last 16 years of our record keeping is just, it, it's, it's phenomenal, and it's unfortunate for Iowa fan because this is one of your top three defensive coordinators, top five this century, uh, and he's been stuck with bad offense for a really long time. Man, he does a good job. And he's all, I'm going to say, yeah. I can't believe I'm going to say this about a DC. He's only at one nine. I can't believe he's at one nine. He's got to be like two, two and a half at this point. Get on that. All right. Uh, Dave, thank you so much for the expertise and insight. I appreciate you, friend. Take it easy, man. Thank you. Do it again in seven days. He played at Michigan State back in the 80s, and he just stayed there. He was at Michigan State. He, actually, I say the 80s. He was there with Low White and the Seven Dwarfs. Lorenzo White. Do y'all know the history of Lorenzo White? He has like half a brick in the wall of college football. Um, I think it was his sophomore year at Michigan State, and it was five offensive linemen, tight end, 
fullback. Those are the seven blockers and Lorenzo White, and they just, I mean, beat on people. And Lorenzo White went on to be a first-round pick in the NFL and was just an amazing running back. Um, But it was a different time of college football, and that's what Phil Parker was a defensive back uh, on those teams with Dave Urema and that point at Michigan State. Hey, Chuck, just want to uh, update something that's just come down here. Uh, literally, I say just come down, yeah. come down the last three minutes. Sports Illustrated is reporting that Tennessee is immersed in another NCAA investigation of potential rules violations that is described as, quote, major in nature. It says the case involves multiple sports and includes scrutiny of name, image, and likeness benefits for athletes. Obviously, Tennessee, with a very recent high-profile brush with the NCAA, courtesy of the Pruitt staff, at the moment, they have acknowledged the investigation to SI, but are not adding any further comment other than to say they haven't got a notice of allegations. But uh, all of a sudden, Chuck, stormy times on Rocky Top. Yeah, and this appears the NCAA reminding people there is still one thing we can do, and you still can violate uh, NCAA uh, rules, even in the name, image, likeness era. Um, there are still scenarios how that can happen. Florida State is finding that out, maybe Tennessee as well. The warm air, the sounds of baseball, it's got you thinking about hitting the road. And no matter where your adventures take you, Subaru of Gwinnett has a vehicle to get you there safely and in style. Like the 2024 Subaru Outback, sporting standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and up to 32 miles per gallon. Or the 2024 Subaru Forester, the SUV with a spacious and comfortable interior for everyone you want to bring along. Start your shopping online at SubaruofGwinnett.com, then come see us for a test drive on Satellite Boulevard in Duluth. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the Derby. I love the hats. Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia. 